Hi, this is Dwight Heck, author of Give a Heck, How to Live Life on Purpose and Not by Accident. I'm also the podcast host of Give a Heck and the founder of business Give a Heck itself. And in this episode of the Business Growth Architect Show, I will share with you how you can quit living a life of quiet desperation and get off the hamster wheel of life and actually live a life of purpose. But in order to find that out, you need to listen to the next episode of the Business Growth Architect Show. And welcome to the Business Growth Architect Show. This is your host, Beate Chalette, the Growth Architect. In this show, you will learn how to grow your authority and scale your impact using strategies brought to you by the most amazing and well-known respected experts, coaches, consultants all over the world. We are a global ranked top 10% podcast and we can't wait to share these insights with you. And what the heck is going on today? In the house with me today is Dwight Heck. I'm your host, Beata Shillet from the Business Growth Architect Show. And we are going to cover a lot of stuff, mindset, money mindset, goal setting for yourself, and what it is to be having a bad day and how to get out of it. Dwight, I'm so excited to have you on the call today. Thanks for inviting me on. I appreciate it. So for somebody who's never heard about you or this first time they meet you, will you please introduce yourself and what is it that you do? Okay. I live in Canada. For those that are listening, sometimes that can be important where you're located. Born and raised in Canada. I am now in my 50s. I have five adult children that I raised as a single dad, five grandkids. I own a lifestyle and finance practice that I've now operated. This is my 21st year. I utilize my practice to help people live life on purpose and not by accident. It's not your traditional financial practice where you're just sitting down with somebody and talking about numbers and then a transaction occurs. It's about digging into the depths of what caused people to get in the circumstances they are in. And usually it starts with their origin. It works up to where they are today to help them get to a point where they have some understanding so that they don't fall back into the hamster wheel of life, which many do once they sit down with somebody financially, get some stuff in order, they fall off the tracks, unfortunately. So that's what I've been doing now for 21 years. And in the last few years, I created my Give a Heck brand, my book and my podcast to highlight and bring other people that do similar things in other you know, sectors. It doesn't necessarily have to be finance to help people level up and live their purposeful life as well. Excellent. So um, one of the things when we had our first conversation that really stood out to me was your thought process around having a bad day. So I come to you and I said, gosh, I've been having a lot of really bad days lately. And now the first thing you're going to say to me is what? When people say that to me, I look at them and I actually ask them first, can you tell me exactly what's been going on? Because I have to understand a pattern of their thought process. I can't just jump into trying to give them tools to deal with those bad days. I talk to them and find out again what, what's going on with them. And then I start reframing it. So I might not write it and go into how they should change their associations of what they do during the, the day. 
so that they can climb out of those bad moments. So for an example, if somebody says to me, well, you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and they're just puking all over everybody. And I'll ask them what's going on and they'll tell me, well, this has been going on for, you know, months, years. And I'll ask them, well, have you thought of it a different way? And I say it in a very calm way because our mannerisms and our tonality are very important when we're dealing with people that are on edge, when they're uh, experiencing anxiety or depression, because you can have bad moments in your life that trigger future or past, or it can be both. And, and we can get into that another time. But so I'll just ask them specific questions and I'll say to them, well, what about thinking about that circumstance this way? Maybe this happened to you not to you, but it happened for you. Have you thought about the opposite side of it? So unless I have an actual example, it's really hard to break down you know, what I might say to them, except for the fact I'll tell them, this is what I do. Instead of telling myself I'm having a bad day, like you're telling me, I'll time myself out. And people will look at me shocked. And I'll say, well, as a kid, you may have hated being timed out. I love timing myself out. When I'm having a bad moment, I have to remove myself from the circumstance of what is creating that bad moment. Is it a call that I've just been on? Is it an email that I've read? Is it something that I've gotten in a phone call from one of my family, like one of my kids? It can be so many outs, you know, extenuating circumstances that can cause us to slide into a bad moment. And I time myself out. And in that timeout period, I've literally allotted myself and I coach people. We figure out how much time do they need to get out of that bad moment? Now, can this all happen in one sitting when I'm sitting and talking to them? No, I can't because this is new to people. They're used to wallowing in self-pity and feeling terrible about themselves and destroying their whole day over one bad moment. So I'll ask them questions. What else has happened today? Like I'll ask myself that too. What's happened today that's gone well? Oh, one of the biggest things that I tell people is, are you grateful that you woke up? that you have another shot at another day to make a difference in people's lives. And it's just things to shock them because not everything's going to work. So that statement might not work on you. It might work on somebody else. So then I have to utilize other things to help them get out of that stuckness that they're in. So once I find out, well, I've had this go on this morning. It was really great. Or I had this go on. I talked to one of my kids or had a great client call or, you know, if I can't find anything in that moment of that day, because it, sometimes it can be first thing in the morning, I'll say to them, what's going on the rest of your day? What else do you have going on? Is there, is there something that maybe we can talk about that you're looking forward to? And many times that makes them have a realization. You'll see a shock in their system, in their face, in their tonality, in their voice when they start talking. And they might say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this later this afternoon, or I've got a great client call in an hour. And that can be enough just to snap that person out of it. When myself, when I'm doing it and I time myself out, I do the same thing. But I move myself away from my work environment. I might sit down and I'll think to myself, again, if it's first thing in the morning, what happened good yesterday? Sometimes I do that. Sometimes I have to snap myself into the reality that I don't want to think about this already being a bad day. Yesterday was a great day. I had all these things go on. So there's different things that a person needs to train themselves to snap out of that situation. And when you're stuck in those bad moment situations, different things work for different people. Sometimes I'll put on a podcast 
I can't think about what's going on because my brain is just so frustrated or I have anxiety going on. I'll put on a podcast and I have specific people I like listening to that I know that will snap me out of that situation. Somebody like a Lewis House, I might put on his short daily motivational podcast, which is only a few minutes, snaps me out of it. If that doesn't work, sometimes I'll put on, I'm a huge fan of Audible. I listen to a lot of books. I'll have three, four books on the go. I'll put on a book that I know that's going to snap me out of it. It might be a book I've listened to numerous times, like Five Love Languages, right? Or Think and Grow Rich. A lot of different things that I utilize. And you know what? Sometimes it can be as simple as just putting on some music. But I will caution people. Don't put on sappy music. Don't put on sad music. Don't put on stuff that's going to bring you down. Put on uplifting music, things that you would maybe if it came on and you were in a store that you'd start, you know, going like this as you're looking at stuff on the shelf, you're, you're dashing your, your like body. Yeah. So it's all about what we do. Yeah. And I've even put on documentaries before because part of the reason we get stuck in bad days is our associations of not just people, what we watch, listen to, read, right? We gravitate toward things that are going to accentuate our negativity or how we're feeling instead of finding things that are going to help us climb out of that, that are going to shock us out of it. And I tell people, you have to give yourself a time frame. I literally set a timer. And I've been doing this. I haven't had a bad day in over five years. And literally, I schedule the time on my phone, and I've never had to hit that wall anymore. So my time frame for what it is, I don't hit that wall anymore. I can get out of my funk, usually in less than, depending on, it can be severe. Sometimes things just happen. I'm human. It can be 45 minutes, an hour. I used to have a window of three hours. I always told myself I'd never have, when I get out of it, I'm always going to say I had a bad moment. I'm never going to have a bad day because then I'm taking away from all the greatness that life offers in that day. Yeah. So uh, just pointing this out to our beehive, our listeners here is that uh, the idea here is to say when you get triggered by something, because typically it's a trigger of some sort of, right? And your your mind now volunteers these 10,000 thoughts of all the failures you've already had, you know, at some point in your life and what a loser you are and how, how fruitless it is that the thing that you're trying to do, uh, I think it's so easy to get caught in that. And, I, and sometimes, you know, when it happens to me, it's the same thing, Dwight, where I go like, what the heck? It's like, you know, oh, who was thinking about this right now? I, I, it's not even what's at stake, but there's like, well, remember that one time when you made that investment and then that went bad and remember the employee and when the employee betrayed you, remember you were in a lawsuit. That was 20 years ago, right? But somehow my brain is trying to protect me from making another catastrophic mistake even though these were all things that led me to become the person I am, that's why I sold my business, that's why I made millions, is because it formed me to be that way. So what I'm hearing you say is that to be very conscious about when you get triggered and to literally put yourself in a timeout and say, I'm giving myself a bad day timeout and consciously looking for things that I know are going to get me out of it. So I already know what song I would be playing. I would be playing Pointer Sisters, It's Raining Man. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Great song. Great song. Because that's that that would be a jam song. That's a great message. You know, there's enough for everybody. So many great men that they're actually raining. You know, I'd be I'd be all for that. 
Um, the second thing that I know about you, which I found extremely fascinating, because, you know, we talk on this podcast about strategies to building your authority and to really uh, propelling yourself as a into thought leadership, authority, expert status in your industry so that you can make a really big impact. When it comes to goal setting, so I know you, you, you got sort of the basics down on, you know, helping people with the goal setting, but you do something that I find very fascinating. You help people to set personal goals. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means and why is that so critical to my success? Well, you know, we're raised as a society, number one, not to goal set, unfortunately. People talk about it, but we're not raised to actually know what to do and apply it. And when we do learn some goal setting things from a mentor, or we read it in a book, it's always high level. It's like, you know, what do you want after when you go to school? What what do you want to go to school for? What do you want to get when you graduate college or university? Do you want a business? What kind of career are you looking for? But amongst all of that, the goal of your personal life is missed. The journey up to that, you're always focused on that big goal, but the journey of your personal life is missed in the sense that you're not celebrating the little things in life. That little... I went for a walk with my dog. I went to the park. I spent some time with my kids. I spent some time with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a significant other. And people don't set goals for that or to spend time. So when I say set those goals, set goals within your daily structure. That's one thing I've done for years. I specifically have time within my 168-hour week where that's my downtime. And then I schedule accordingly personal goals, that personal goal to spend time with like one of my adult kids. Maybe I go see one of my grandkids. Maybe I go call up a friend or maybe it's just me time and I just want to do nothing. I just want to kick back and put on a ridiculous show that absolutely means nothing, but it's just going to be mind numbing because that's what I want for that time. I just want to shut my brain down. So personal goal setting and doing things to book time for ourselves is so imperative. I got caught in this trap years ago. So myself that understands goal setting, for those that don't, you need to understand that even if you do get goal setting down, you goal set for a, a specific thing and you're always on the charge. You're on the hunt to get to that goal. Three months, six months, a year. And along that way, I'll ask people, well, what was great about the journey going there? And, and they're look dumbfounded because they've never sat back and actually appreciated the journey to get to that goal because they never had any personal downtime along the way for them to reflect on their lives going, geez, is this ever great? I can't believe that I've actually doing this. I said I was going to do that and I'm at this hurdle and then I need to go to the next hurdle and the next hurdle. And that's the biggest problem. We just, we don't, appreciate our own personal lives and the little things that go on around us because they are a culmination of where we need to get in life to be happy is to appreciate those little small wins in life. I'm so all for that. And I want to add an experience share to that because I was actually listening to a podcast. So like you, I do a lot of podcasts. So when I, I get in the funk, I find I do better when I have a mindset podcast I listen to on a daily basis because I find it so easy to get rubber bands snapped back into bad habits, right? And so I heard that how good is it if you hate the journey and then it just becomes a goal and it, it doesn't become an experience, it doesn't become 
anything powerful. And that really resonated with me. So I had surgery recently and I was laid up for two weeks. And it was, of course, the wrong time, Dwight. You know, uh, you know, I had to make payroll. I had to get the, the jobs and and I, I couldn't do anything because I just had surgery. I'm, I'm, I'm laid up. I'm like drugged out. I barely know where I am. And then something happens in an open space where the thing that I wanted to accomplish, which was on how to uh, fix my sales process, and I get a message out of absolutely nowhere. I wasn't looking for it at the time. I had put it out previously, but nothing's kind of had come together. But it came together at a moment where I was actually not prepared for it, but I had set it into motion. But it came in when I had given myself permission to give myself a personal space. Can you tell us a little bit about when you help your clients to create this personal space? And I love that you said, watch a mind-numbing show. I'm really big on these, you know, like FBI type shows. Um, Me too. (laughs) I find it ridiculously gratifying because I know the bad guy gets caught. Okay, people, what's wrong with that? I do the same thing. The world is in order after that. You know, here's the chase. Here's them running. Here's the whatever. And to me, at the end of it, it relaxes me. People say, what, crime shows? Uh, rela- yeah, it does. Because the bad guy gets caught. Right? Good guy wins. The good guy wins. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so how does opening this personal space and giving yourself consciously the release or the opportunity to take a breath, how does that change your brain chemistry? Because I want to talk about money mindset next. So I want to lead into that. Well, the way I interpret it, because other people might interpret it differently, but having that personal space by giving yourself room to appreciate things and realize that you're the most important thing. We always make everything else so much more important. As you mentioned, payroll, we worry about our families, we worry about so many other things that we forget that we're the most important thing. Because if we're not healthy, between our six inches, between our ears, right, our mind, our body, our heart, our soul, if we're not actually connected to ourselves, we're doing everybody else a disservice. We're just going along, you know, go to work, go home, get paid. In that mindset, we're not really connected to everybody because we're not personally happy. And that, so that personal space, I find even if it's only once a week, is so imperative because we are saying to ourselves, because again, our mind does not know the difference between the truth and the lie. So by doing that, we're giving our body, our mind, the ability to say, hey, we appreciate ourselves. We deserve downtime. We deserve time on our schedule, just like we have given our clients, our family, or whatever the circumstance, maybe you're a churchgoer and every Sunday you book time to go to church, right? You do all these things for everybody else and you forget yourself. So for me, personal time is so imperative because it lets me know, it reminds me that I'm important. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a great explanation. And I think sort of what I learned as as I was out is that I cannot create in a space that's full. Thank you so much for listening to or watching the show. This is Beata Chalette. 
I am asking you to please help us spread the word of the show. And here's how you can do this. Go ahead and share this episode with one other person that needs to hear what we were talking about today. Of course, a five-star review and a subscription is always appreciated. And that's what's helped us to become a top 10% globally ranked show by Listen Notes. Here is how we can help you. There is opportunity in every market and especially in this market. And we want to help you to figure out what that is. As our thank you for you being here, we would like to gift you with a complimentary uncovery session with one of our business growth advisors. All you have to do is go to uncoverysession.com and one of our advisors will take you through our process to help you figure out how you can grow your business right now. And now, back to the show. So if my house is fully decorated and I want to make a change, I'm going to have to take something out. I say to my clients, Dwight, if you want to get the new car on whether that's the Porsche or a Tesla or some, you know, hydro car, whatever that might be, if there's a crappy Toyota parked in that spot, there is no room for another car. So you're going to have to take that out, sell it, and then make room for another piece to come in. I think that concept applies for us in our lives as well. If we fill every moment with every minute with something, there's no room to come in. And when I talk to these efficiency and productivity experts, sometimes it pains me a little bit, Dwight, because it's like, well, how to be more productive, how to be more effective, how to get more done, how to do your calendaring in 100% maximum, how to uh, speed read, how to optimize everything. I'm going, man, this kind of sounds like a whole bunch of... Uh, work and no fun. When I read, I want to actually read the book. And Bob Proctor says, are you reading to read the book? Or are you reading to understand what you're reading? And so I was like, well, I can't over productize or, you know, over make, make everything over efficient that I do, because then I'm taking all the joy out of these little things. You know, people do this all the time. They go for a walk, but they can't just go for a walk. They have to, if they go out, they have to exercise because they have to get the heart rate up. So now walking is poo-poo because, you know, if you walk, then you have to speed walk, take the bike, hike, to break a sweat. So now you've got sort of two birds killed with one stone. You know, I did this the week, on this weekend, we went out for a walk. Uh, my partner's child moved to a different city. So I knew this was a big moment for him. So let's go for a walk. It's like, if I go out, we're going exercising. I'm like, no, we're not. I said, we're just going for a walk. We're just going to put our toes in the water. We're just going to pick up some shells. We're looking for a heart-shaped rock. And that's it. That's all we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. But this over-efficiency is, I think, one of the things that hinders us to find the small enjoyments in life. Talk about enjoyment in life. Money. You have some very specific thoughts around money mindset. I can tell you from my experience working with my clients, Dwight, that when it comes to money mindset, my God, where do I even start? How much time do we have? The story of the parents, the story of when I didn't have any money, the trauma, what you've been told, what society tells you. Where do we even start? Where do you start helping people to get their money mindset in order? Well, you brought up pretty much everything a person needs to break down. We need to understand their patterns because if we don't break and reframe their, their way they think about 
and their patterns of money because the rules of the money game are so simple. Those listening, hear that again. The rules of the money game are so simple. You bring in a dollar and you spend a dollar fifty, and you do that consistently, you're in debt. You're going to be in trouble. You're going to live that mindset of quiet desperation that I lived for years as a single parent, where I literally would go to bed at night in quiet desperation, worried about the fact that I was spending a dollar fifty, only had a dollar, and I wake up in the same way. And it all started by the very simplistic thing. Well, what did I want? Well, when I goal set with people, guess what one of the number one goals is? Get out of debt. Understand if I'm going to have money to go on a vacation. Just simple things like that. So right within that thought process, budgeting is so key. Something that is so simplistic. I'm not talking about for your listeners that you take an envelope like many people do and they write down utilities, mortgage, car payment. And at the end, they got a total of whatever. And they're bringing in this amount of money. Oh, wait a minute. Most people don't even know how much money they're bringing in. They auto deposits nowadays into their bank account and they go to the store and they go and, oh, I got 500 bucks. I want something that's $400. They've got nothing budgeted. And next week they have a payment for their vehicle coming out that's 500. Guess what happens? Now they run out of month. Their money ran out before the end of the month. They slip into quiet desperation because it wasn't budgeted to understand when the bills are coming out, that they have this amount of money coming in. They've goal set it that they want a vacation. They want to also get out of debt. Well, guess what? That, that takes very simplistic planning based on your numbers. What am I bringing in? Oh my goodness. I got this amount coming in. I got this amount of, of uh, debts every month. Do I understand the difference between a need and a want? I think you and I talked a little bit about that in our prior conversation. I educate, I started with my kids at a very young age. It was an epiphany for me. I got into the finance industry 21 years ago and I had somebody say to me, hey, do you know the difference between a need and a want? And I was like, what? Need and a want? What are you talking about? And they broke it down very specifically. I still remember the example. If your car breaks down and you need to go 20 miles to go to work, is that a need or a want to put that in cr- on a credit card if you have no extra money and the only thing you have access to is credit or overdraft? Is that a need or a want? Well, that's a need because if I don't make it to my job, I'm not going to make money. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now that same car, you decide that the stereo and it's not the greatest, but you want to put in a nice stereo, something just killer, right? Yet you know that you have no money and you're thinking about putting it on a credit card. Is that a need or a want? That's a want. And that does not go into your daily or monthly budget. It just does not. Now, you can put that as a goal. And I'll tell people, we can put that as a goal once you get your your other numbers in check. We can put that as a goal position and say, oh, this month I made a dollar. I only spent 80 cents. So 20 cents of it, I don't need for down payment. I don't need to save for vacation. But I can put that in a slush fund that's called stereo vehicle stereo or whatever the case may be. But it always focuses back to living life on purpose and not being on that um, hamster wheel of life involves writing your numbers down. And people hate budgeting, but yet you should love budgeting because it opens up your eyes to what life has handed you, the poor training you had from school, from your parents. And I'm not here to sit and cut down your parents. They didn't know any better. Right, they just didn't, and a lot of parents still don't know today. And they, I see, 
Yeah, I see it with their. I see it with the senior clients. I sit down. I sat one down with here one here about two three weeks ago. They're hitting retirement. They've been my clients for eighteen years. They finally agreed last month to start budgeting with me. So not everybody jumps on the the budgeting train or understanding that. And I do that free for my clients that are local to me as part of the service I give them. We go through all their stuff for me to have to tell them, "Sir, you can't retire." My mother you know, World War II generation. She's so interesting about this. You know, she can tell me to the cent how much more tomatoes are now than pre-pandemic. She says, I used to get my tomatoes at 99 cent and I had six tomatoes and they lasted me for three days. Now the tomatoes first were 129. Now they're 159. And uh, there's only five, not six tomatoes, right? So she, she got it absolutely down. Uh, because she has to budget, and it makes her feel empowered, actually. So that way, when she great gets, word, when she gets a deal on something or something goes on sale, she automatically knows on what that will allow her uh, to do. And my mother's eighty-eight. You know, I think it's it's cute because I don't do that, but I do believe that there is a discipline about money when you have a money mindset. And I'm going to ask you about this next, because here's the thing that I want to ask for all of our listeners from our beehive is there is a school of thought in mindset that says you have to act as if it was already here and that the abundance comes from making the decision first and then the money will show up to pay for it. You say you got a budget and got to figure out what you have available. How do I reconcile those two pieces? Well, that goes back to the secret. Like, let's be real. We can we can talk about the fact that people believe that they can materialize things in their life by just thinking about it. And every single day saying, I'm going to win this trip, or I'm going to have abundance and bring in 20 clients, and I'm going to make 10000 a month. And I hear it over and over again in the last 21 years. And bottom line, I will say to people, yes, you're right. You have to have a positive mindset. You have to be grateful for what you have and then also project what you want. But at the end of the day, there's three things that you need to worry about. It's called ABC, action, belief, and consistency. If you don't do something and take action to make that materialize what you're thinking about, I honestly believe that it'll never happen. Yes, sometimes things can drop in your lap. I had somebody I talked to a couple days ago, a client that said, oh, I was thinking about this and now all of a sudden I've accomplished it. I've got all this money. And I, was, I said to them, I corrected him, I reframed it. And I said, well, what did you do up to this point? And he starts listing everything. So it wasn't because you thought positively about it, was it? It was you thought about it, but you took action and you kept on taking action and your belief that you were going to accomplish it kept on getting more and more concrete because you took action. And the last thing in order for that to happen, you were consistent. You just finished telling me you did stuff every single week lately that helped you get to the goal that you told me that you were visualizing and thinking. So it's great. You have to think about things, but I don't believe you can materialize without taking action to increase your belief and then being consistent among the way to get what you're visualizing. I, I'm so glad that you made that clarification because I think that that specifically the secret when it first came out, 
did a big disservice to a lot of people because they thought that sitting on the couch and eating potato chips, watching television shows, and then ever in between on the commercials going like, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, was going to make things happen. That there is this element of making the decision by setting the goal, which we talked about, then understanding the mindset piece about wanting to get there and then putting in the action in place to get there. Because if you say, um, I'm going to grow my business, there's only a number of ways you can grow your business. You're either going to have more products or services, or you're going to find more clients, or you're going to increase your prices. So other than that, they're really, you know, so you're going to have to do one or, one or the other, but you can continue to do the same thing you've always done and then think that the formula that got you here is the formula that's going to change it. So I'm glad that you said that. I do also believe that the starting point, the realization of this is where I am today, I'm overspending, I am not realistic about the money that I have, I'm going to have to have a plan to get there. I'm going to take a loan for $20,000 so I can hire the salesperson that's going to last me, you know, for 20 grand. I'm, you know, I, I can figure this out for six months. That's the investment I'm making because I know that if I can in six months, you know, put the 20 grand down, that I should be making a lot more money because then the salesperson can, you know, follow up on all these things that are falling through the cracks. And I have like 100 opportunities sitting there. But you have to have the, the data available to look at and then know what you need to be taking action on. Is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, because I know that this money mindset thing is your sweet spot. I think one of the biggest things that people have to understand, and it is a sweet spot for me, is don't go into understanding the rules of the money game for anybody else but yourself. You have to be the willing between, I always talk about it, the six inches between your ears is your brain. You have to be telling yourself, this is what I want. I'm tired of being on the hamster wheel of life. I'm tired of not understanding the rules of of life, which is money. It's all money related. Like, let's be real. Everything that we do in life is tied in some way, shape, or form to money. Even love, love for somebody. People's definition of happiness. I can't be happy unless I have X amount of money. Yet. They went for a walk like you and your partner went and looked for shells and, you know, looked for a hard shaped rock, whatever the case may be, you defined your happiness and it wasn't tied to money because you wanted to. But majority of the population gets stuck in that rut that everything is financially based and, and they're not really willing to go through the hurt and the pain of admitting like that couple I talked about. It was painful. I was with them for four hours. Four hours I was with them. It was painful to watch the look on their face and the animosity between one another because everybody wants to blame everybody else instead of taking ownership themselves and be willing to understand, I got myself here. That is the thing that is so sensitive for me is getting people to admit. And that's one thing I talk about in my book. Like, honestly, you're never too late to give a heck about your life. Just admit that you need help and then surround yourself with good people mentors, coaches that can help you get there. And if you are adverse to that, there's so many good books that'll help you and initially be willing and admit that you can achieve things in your life. And this is the first baby step you take. Yes, I I think that that is a very powerful and true statement. I always say in any relationship, the math is it's 100% your fault. 
and it's 100% their fault. And if everybody takes 100% responsibility for their part, and that's the only way math works in uh, interpersonal relationships and in relationships in general, is that you always have to take 100% responsibility. Because if I say, well, you know, I only take 60% responsibility because I think you have 40% responsibility, or you, of course, you have 70% responsibility, and I only have 30 then that gets people on the defensive and then you, you're never going to make any change. But if I say, what can you take 100% responsibility for? Now the question is reframed and rephrased. And now somebody needs to say, well, here's what I can take responsibility for. And then you ask the other person, what are they taking responsibility for? And now we have a whole different, uh, whole different dynamic in this. So for people that want to reach out to you or learn more about you, where are we going to send them? Best place to go is to my website to giveaheck.com. It's everything's in, in there. You can find out about my uh, education practice, my speaking, my podcast, my book. Everything's there. There's a contact button where you can book a call with me, a free call where we can actually have a video call and chat and to see how I can help you out. It doesn't matter if you're in my country or in my city. I can help you learn the rules of the money game to goal set, to budget, to learn the difference between what a need and a want is, because that is one of the stickiest things for people is just to have the realization that all these things they were taught or believed maybe aren't right. Maybe there's ways that you have been living your life that is right and we can fine tune them, or maybe we need to throw them all out with the bath water and start over. I like that a lot is examining your, your belief systems. So Dwight, thank you so much for being on the show. This was very enlightening and powerful. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom with the Beehive. You're welcome. I appreciate being on and being able to share some information that hopefully can help people learn how to give a heck about their circumstances and their journey going forward in life. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. So there you have it. This was another episode with the Business Growth Architect. Until next time and goodbye. Thank you for listening to or watching this episode. We are so grateful that you are here. That's what is our passion. That's what lights us up. We are here to share strategies because that's what we're super excited about. Let us help you find the right strategy in this market, the strategy, the opportunity that will help you to grow your authority and scale your impact. Simply go to uncoverysession.com and Get your session on the books with one of our business growth advisors so that you can get very clear what your very next step should be to grow your business. Please subscribe to the show now so that you'll never miss another episode. Episodes are dropping every Monday. Again, this is Beat Schlett, the Growth Architect, and I thank you so much for being here. And goodbye.